I'm Chris from Nerd Alert News, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Check out all the other great podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby and if you are brand new to the show, this show is all about Magic the Gathering as well as some Dungeons and Dragons involved as well and whatever else I feel like talking about. But today we have a really awesome episode for you. We have Jay Stevens aka T1 Glistener Elf from the popular YouTube channel, T1 Glistener Elf. And I brought him on to talk about not only about YouTube, but also a book he is writing as well too, which I'll be sure to put in the show notes so you can take a look at that Kickstarter. Um, We talk a lot about magic, uh, what he's you know what he's working on and just a lot about a lot of other stuff too so had a really fun time talking with him he was a really cool guy and yeah so i'm sure you don't want to listen to me ramble on like you normally do so let's get it some ads out of the way and then you can listen to my interview with jay stevens well hey there zoe why the long face there chum I just want to order some magic cards, but the shipping was too expensive. Too expensive? Well, did you know if you go to LegitMTG.com, you can order any magic cards, and anything over $2 or more has free shipping. Wow, free shipping's at LegitMTG.com. That's amazing. You heard that right, Zoe. Free shipping at LegitMTG.com with any order over $2 or more. Be sure to visit today and get the best deal on Magic Singles and Magic Sealed product available. Wow, that's amazing! Hello, can you hear me? (laughs) Yeah, I like your picture. What's my picture on here? It's you looking at something off to the side of the camera as if you're like somewhere between startled and scared and screaming at it and I don't know oh. the, the expression is priceless I don't even know what it is um, <laughs> it's great that's what it is I don't even remember what it is um, so but we are recording right now so awesome so <clears throat> it's a <laughs> good way to start it so this is like take 59 um, we're trying to record this because I usually use a program called Zencaster if the audience doesn't know for, and the reason why I use that is because it gives me two separate tracks. So it's easier to edit. And if I need to EQ anything, I can, you know, maybe EQ your voice or my voice, vice versa. And it's been working really, really well. I've been using that for over a year. And then tonight it decided to take a crap on us. And yeah. It, it actually took a crap on the Breakfast with Nerds interview too, because one of the one of the guys, their voice just went way off sync, like they were a minute behind us somehow. And the when I got the final file, so I had to oh god go through three tracks and try to make sure everything's in sync and listen to the whole podcast over and over again. And when it finally finished. I didn't even bother listening to it again because usually I like to listen to the recordings again to make sure it sounds okay and the quality is good. By the time I was done with that, I'm just like, screw it. I'm done. I don't even want, I don't even want to look at that episode now. (laughs) So 
anyways, I'm here with T1 Glistener Elf, aka Jay Stevens. Uh, so how are you doing tonight? I am. I am great. <laughs> Our technical issues notwithstanding, I am great. Oh yeah. No, it's um, I'm good too. It's um, just frustrating that Zencaster has been so good to me, and then tonight it's just been a sack of crap, and I don't know why. But um. Yay! Yeah, and um, I know I mentioned before I just got back from Atlanta uh, yesterday morning and um, playing Magic for three days in a row, mainly Modern and Legacy at the side event challenges, because I did not do the main event, because I had no interest in playing Standard, because I'm kind of sick of Standard right now. Um, what about yeah. you? What formats do you mainly play? Mainly? I mainly play Legacy these days. Legacy is certainly my favorite format. I think it's one of the most skill-intensives, and I love intensive, and I love the diversity of the meta. Um Vintage is also skill-intensive, but doesn't have that diversity. Modern has that diversity, but it isn't as skill-intensive. And Legacy just puts it together so very well, I think. Uh, as for other formats, I have EDH. It's not my baby, but uh, maybe that's because I don't have a pet deck just yet. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a bit. And Standard, I'm, I usually like to brew in Standard because, to me, it's the format that doesn't matter, so... I might as well have some fun with it, but I'm actually trying out God Pharaoh or uh, yeah, God Pharaoh's gifts uh, is at this time. So you know that Reanimator deck that turns everything into a four four, gives it haste and costs no mana once you've already made the initial investment. So yeah, yeah it's it's pretty silly. It's, I like it. <laughs> I don't like I don't like playing against it, <laughs> but no, I can see why it's fun though. Admittedly, there's way too much graveyard hate right now for it, but it's it's fun to play, I think. I don't know. It, it definitely looks like a fun deck. I've been um, wanting to build like maybe an Esper variant of it or something with that marionette um, combo that's going on with it. Yeah. Nope, that's fair. Esper is good. I just I can't make myself not play Cathartic Reunion because it's discard two, draw three. Oh, but, yes, I know. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, no, absolutely Esper. You get Scarab God, you get, like you said, Marionette. Oh, right. so anyway, uh, anyway. So, yeah, you're doing an Esper variant. You have, what, Tormenting Voice and Cathartic Reunion? Because Tormenting Voice is, was an Amonkhet, right? Uh, Esper, I, I think you're thinking Grixis, because Esper is blue-white-red. I mean, blue-white-black, excuse me, blue-white-black. Well, no, I thought you said you were doing the, the Is It version. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, is it gets cathartic reunion. I, I must have misunderstood what you said. That might be oh, my no, bad. it's okay. Um, so I'm interested to hear why you think uh, modern is less skill intensive because that's my favorite format right now, and I'm just curious as to why. Uh, I it's one of those where so a lot of it has to do with the lack of force of will. It's more than just that, but that's a good starting point. Uh, the fact that force of will can be played on any turn makes every decision a lot more complicated, potentially. Force of Will itself is one of the more skill-intensive cards in Magic. Because while it is true that you can counter just about everything in the game, in doing so, you have to two-for-one yourself. So knowing when to hold and when to fold, or whatever, is itself pretty skill-intensive. But that's just where we're getting started. It's also the Brainstorm format. Remember, Brainstorm isn't even much of a vintage thing. It's restricted there. Yeah. And Brainstorm is 
in my opinion, either number one or two for the most skill-intensive cards in Magic. Draw three, put two back, fetch lands, break that card wide open enough that sometimes it's just Ancestral Recall. Let's be real. When you put two lands that you don't need back, that's Ancestral Recall. <laughs> and then you shuffle them away. Cabal Therapy is, to me, the number two, pro- maybe one or two, um, for what you name there. Cabal Therapy, you, you know, uh, black mana, name a card, name a non-land card, they reveal their hand and you make them discard any copies of it, and flashback sack a creature to do it. Uh, yeah. I, plus, so anytime you have a format where there is, you know, in modern there's the turn four rule. It's not actually you can't win before turn four, it's that you're not supposed to be able to win before turn four without interaction consistently. So that's why Infect is allowed to exist even though it's a turn two or three deck. It's because every deck in the game that tries to be interactive at all can interact with Infect. Um, you can be a deck that's really fast but not very consistent, like some Goryeo's Reanimator deck that can go off on the first turn or could just dirtle and never find anything for the whole game. Guess which one happens more often? Uh, the the various Charbelcher decks in Modern, because they don't have all the tools that Legacy gives, they're not able to go off on turn one anywhere near consistently, and so there's no reason to ban... Uh, well, Simeon Spear Guide may be ban-worthy for other reasons, but not for that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so... Basically, what I'm the reason I bring up the turn four rule is that it cuts out a section of diversity that isn't cut out artificially in a format like Legacy, where you can have a deck that goes off that quickly. Uh, you can have a deck that goes off and or not goes off, but wins on turn twenty. It's called Miracles. You, you can go all the way across the spectrum, whereas in Modern that very first part is cut off. And it has to be cut off, because there's no force of will, there's no daze, there's not even force spike. There's nothing like that. No, and, okay, that makes more sense, and I see that. That's definitely makes sense, and um, and why... And it's probably one of the reasons why I like playing Grix's Delver so much, because of what... Y- how you were saying, like, when to force of will or a.k.a. mana leak or counter something because, and that's how I usually can win games is when I know the deck I'm playing against and know what to stop and what to kill and all that. Um, And that's another reason why I want to build Grix's Delver in Legacy because of that interaction as well, too. It's playing a little bit more of a skill-intensive game, whereas Legacy Elves, it's just try to combo by turn two or three and then win for the most part. I will, yeah, I will say the closest that I've come to a legacy deck in modern is when I was playing a mono blue polymorph deck. Because it's mono blue, that turned on Disrupting Shoal much more readily. Do you know what Disrupting Shoal is? Oh, not off the top of my head. That's <laughs> one is, thing about me. I'm terrible at card names or remembering cards and what they do. It's the closest thing we have to Force of Will in modern. It is... Uh, it cost blue, blue, and X, but you can ignore that part most of the time because instead what you're going to be doing is pitching a blue card with the same converted mana cost as the spell you're countering. Otherwise, X equals that converted mana cost. So if you want to counter, say, a Thoughtseize, you pitch a Serum Visions, for instance, or a Sleight of Hand, or okay, a Spell Pierce, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so it's, it, that's one way it felt like Force of Will. I mean, that it felt like Legacy. 
it also felt a lot like Sneak and Show because do you know how polymorph works? <laughs> you make a little, you make a little dude. You make a, a token or cloud form, something like that. Yeah, and you turn that into Emrakul the Eons Torn. <laughs> it's usually yep. what ends up happening. Yep, I've, uh, I've played. Um, I've played against a deck like that where they try to do a really early Emrakul, and it's just well, good game. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Now, I know there are some decks that try to, like, sneak attack, or not sneak attack in modern, through the breach. There we go. Yeah. I I like Polymorph, and I, I can play a slow game. On a scale of uh, Spell Pierce to Cryptic Command, I, I'm more of a Cryptic Command, if I can get away with it. You can't always get away with that in modern. In the wrong meta, it's it's not good. But I'm a Cryptic Command fan. I'm a Cryptic Command man. There we go. <laughs> the no, dad joke's just going to roll. <laughs> oh, no, that's all right. No, it's definitely a good card, Cryptic Command. Um, I don't play any in my Grixis Delver, but it's definitely good. I don't know how that would work in Grixis Delver. I, I suspect its curve would be a bit too high. Yeah, it's a little bit too high. I try to make three the highest... Um, you know, as far as curve with spells, um, of course, I think the highest converted mana cost spell I actually have is Damnation, but that's in my sideboard, oh. though. Fair enough. So, Grixis Delver and Modern. We're talking Delver of Secrets, of course. You're yep. running Young Pyromancer, I'd assume? Yep, two of them. How about, is Dark Confidant another creature? Nope. Like, what, uh, what are the other creatures in this list? No, I run um, a playset of Delver, playset of Snapcaster. Snapcaster, um, okay. And I do two Tassiger, two Gurmog Angler, and two Young Pyro. Okay. Okay, so 14 creatures, uh, what, about 18 lands? Um, actually, I can pull up my list and send you the, send you the list to- right now. Fair enough. I'm trying to figure out what the odds of a blind flip of Delver are in this deck. Basically, I, whenever I see a Delver deck in Modern, one of you know Delver in Legacy, you tend to be able to get away with having fewer creatures and fewer lands, uh, or maybe just one or the other. Yeah, uh, I, I only run um 18 lands in the deck. Yeah. Okay. So 18 lands, 14 creatures. That means in a 60 card deck, minus one because you've already dropped the Delver. Of course, and minus another because you already have at least one land out. Okay, that's that's respectable, I guess. That's about a coin toss. Unfor- I mean, you've got serum visions to set the top of your deck. It's not brainstorm. Yeah. It's not ponder, but it it gets the job done. Oh yes, that's- yeah. Oh, I'm running three Tassiger, so I'm doing fifteen creatures because Tassiger turns out to be pretty damn good by turn two, turn three. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. And his so, ability sort of fills out your cryptic command slot because his ability's four mana. Yeah. Oh, I and I will say that after this past weekend, uh, Young Pyromancer did so much more for me in this deck than it has the past year and a half I've been playing it. Because for some reason, um, either I've been playing the deck wrong or the meta has shifted to where I'm actually able to play Young Pyromancer and it doesn't get killed right away. And I don't have to do, like, a counter war in order to keep it alive. Usually I have to, like, counter something once. You know what I mean? We have this unique dynamic now that Fatal Push has been printed where Fatal Push comes out, it's everywhere, and so people don't want to play those creatures. 
So they shift over to decks like uh, Storm has seen a resurgence, uh, Ad Nauseum is around, and that causes people to want to play more non-creature uh, interaction, which maybe means that there are fewer Fatal Pushes, which allows Infect to come back, which wants to push Fatal Push back into the, the scene. You know, Infect is maybe not the best deck in the world, but it beats it can beat Storm. It can just outrace it in Modern. Um, and so Fatal Push comes back to beat Infect, and so on and so forth. You get, you can see where this circle is going. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I've seen it. It's, um... No, yeah, I had a lot of fun over the weekend playing, um... Delver. A lot of people weren't expecting it, and um, a lot of matchups that I'm usually bad against, I was able to beat. Um, like usually, I'm really terrible against Merfolk, but I'm, I was able to scrape out wins against it. Um, terrible against, um, you know, Burn, but I was able to manage to eke out wins. It's because I've switched up my deck to be a little bit more control rather than tempo based. Mm-hmm. Because it used to be a very tempo-based deck, and now I've switched it to more controly, especially with Fatal Push and Opt Out. Now it's I'm able to at least control the board a lot more. Opt is so good. Oh yeah, I didn't realize how good of a card it would actually was going to be for my deck until I started playing it. <laughs> it's one word: instant. Yeah. All right. No, but, but um, it's just a worse serum visions. No, instant. Yeah. Ah. yeah, especially you know, especially if I've got you know four or five mana out and they're looking to you know kill me or something like that. Like, oh, I've got two ops in my hand. Let me play. You know, let me get some chances to counter it real quick. You know what I mean? Fair enough. I have a, a nice little brew I'm working on that I don't think would have been viable prior to opt. I think the deck needed that uh, that card to come out or something like it in order to work. It's this zero converted mana cost control deck. I'm not the first person to come up with it, I'm sure. Um, I haven't seen someone build it quite the way I have, but uh, long story short, you know Ad Nauseam and Angel's Grace. Yeah. Well, imagine if you can Ad Nauseam, but you don't need Angel's Grace. Your deck is so cheap that at a reasonable life total, you can just run through the whole deck anyway. That's kind of what this deck does, and it ends with something like a ludicrously large conflict rate, is usually how it, it finishes the game. Uh, maybe a laboratory maniac? I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure <laughs> out the rest of that. <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out from there. Conflict rate and then X, where X equals laboratory maniac? Nah, I don't know. Oh, jeez, that sounds fun, actually. Like storm. <laughs> Alright. Oh, yeah, well, I'll show that off on the channel at some point before too long. Got to get some games in with it, with it first to make sure it actually works, and then we'll see. Then we'll release it to the world. I oh, know that's a thing. So talking about your channel, you do a Magic the Gathering channel. Um, I do notice it's not just Magic the Gathering. It's also I see some videos with your daughter in there. And, oh, um, yes. We'll, we'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> yeah, and I will say, I think the first video I saw of yours was, um, oh, God, I just saw it. It was, I think, you and your daughter, and, and she was playing Infect or something like that. Um, um, was this the, the one oh, with Shia LaBeouf? A, a, a Journey into the Mind of an Infect Player. Yes, uh, she's uh, she's on Burn. She's on oh, oh, she's on burn. With okay. Bloodstained Mire, Lightning Bolt. 
but I'm going to say it's burnt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that was my first video that I caught of yours. And then from there, it just went on to, I saw the other stuff you did, like the Tom Ross and Feline Longmore videos. And, um, Before we the- move on, just really, really quickly, there was a comment on Reddit on that Journey into the Mind video. Someone asked, how did you teach your two-year-old how to play magic? And the response to that was, burn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, now that I've gotten that out of the way. As an effect player, I'm, sub- I'm contractually obligated to hate burn, even though I don't actually hate burn. So, yeah, there we go. So now, now we can move past that. <laughs> what, what was it you were saying? Well, no, it was, um, that was the first video I saw of yours. And, um, you know, then just diving into some of the other, like, Tom Ross, Feline Longmore videos you've done. And, um... You've gone down the meme rabbit hole, haven't you? That's oh, yeah. my little LOL MTG playlist. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That started out as an LOL SCG because they started, the first few were all Star City Games based. Yeah. Uh, but then when it branched out, I wanted to expand the name a bit. But, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> a lot of them are find a player, make a tribute video for them. Sometimes the tribute video is sad. See Ross Merriam here. Yeah, but, uh, he's yeah, like that one was of my a top funny three. one. He's a, like a top three, two or three. Tom Ross is number one, and then Ross maybe number two. So <laughs> I'm I'm a fan. He plays elves just like uh, you said. You do legacy elves. Yep. He's so elves master as well. The the elves master himself. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. He does play elves. It's um. It's more- Oh, go on. Well, no, I was just going to say, I forgot about that. Yeah, he does Storm as well. Um, I know he plays more than just Elves and Storm, but off the top of my head, those are the only ones coming to mind. Um, Yeah, and I I very much enjoy watching him go from actual no creatures on the board to a 1919 Crater Hook Behemoth by the time the turn is over, (laughs) so... Yeah, that's always fun with elves. It's um I actually over the past weekend I actually managed to turn to win with elves um over the weekend. It's very rare when that happens. It's turn three is very common, but turn two I just managed to just draw nothing but gas with a glimpse of nature. It's it's way too often that I will just like I'll cast a glimpse of nature, then play uh, an elf, and then draw land. It's like, no, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> so we start off with. I'm trying to piece this together in my head. We start off with either a heritage druid or a nettle sentinel, and I guess we find like two oh, more nettle oh. sentinels. Like, how does that work? Well, no, no, I can if I remember correctly. It was a turn one fetch, then I fetched into an overgrown tomb, played a Deathrite Shaman. Turn two, I think I played my Gaia's Cradle, and then... I love this, by the way. Overgrown tomb, Gaia's Cradle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, played overgrown, then I tapped the overgrown's tomb for a glisten... Or not glisten or elf. um, Glimpse of nature, and then I tapped Deathrite to exile the the windswept heath or wooded foothills whichever one it was and to add a green and i played um 
shit, what was it? <laughs> uh, oh, I think it was a heritage druid. And then okay. Glimpse of Nature, you know, triggered, and I drew an Edel Sentinel, and then tap the guy's cradle to add two, and then play Nettle Sentinel, then tap all three to add three, and just kept on drawing more and more elves. And Wait a minute, uh, I must have missed something. You you tapped the Death Rite already to exile the Fetchland. We have a yeah. Heritage Druid out, a Nettle Sentinel out. What was the third creature that's untapped? Oh, wait, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, I messed up. It wasn't... No, the it's okay, second... we have one more floating mana yeah, here. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Be... The, the second creature I played was the Quirion Ranger, the one that can let me untap. Ah, okay. Un... Th- okay. That's what it was. And then the third creature was a Heritage Druid. Okay. And so, and then I just kept drawing, you know, then I drew into my Nettle Sentinel, so every time, you know, so I basically have unlimited mana. And then just, I got really, really, really lucky. I cast a second Glimpse of Nature at one point and then just drawing two cards and eventually just drop down uh crater hoof behemoth and i had enough creature you know i had enough um the the death right shaman and yeah i got the crater hoof were just pumped up and boom like i said it's very rare for that to happen but it was it happened <laughs> the buff club is hype yeah too often i just run into nothing but crap like i'll glimpse of nature and play one or two elves and like oh look i drew two lands awesome (laughs) it is rare these days for me to play a red deck an actual red deck in legacy and not have at least one copy of either pyroclasm or rough and tumble in the sideboard just for stuff like elves and death and taxes but you know elves (laughs) Oh, oh, you and your your sylvan shenanigans. Oh, we're not that bad. It's not too bad. But um yeah, it's I, I after this weekend, it's I'm almost tempted to just take it apart because I mm. really want to focus on getting Grixis Delver done because I'd rather be playing that than elves right now. Because elves is fun, but it's literally the same deck every time I play it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is one of the issues with dedicated combo decks, I'll, I'll admit. Um, and while there are certainly more dedicated combo decks than elves, I see what you're saying. That said, part of the reason I like elves so much, as you can tell, is I like piecing the combo turn together as a puzzle. Um, one of my favorite commanders is Animar, even though no one likes it when I play Animar. It, I'm Mister. I'm gonna try to go infinite on the first turn I can, which is turn three, turn four, turn five, something <laughs> stupid like that. Yeah, you see why these games devolve into arch enemy really quickly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so whenever I try to go off on a combo turn, it's a puzzle to me. I I see it that way. Well, I imagine elves is sort of the same. You have. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You, you, you go gotta figure out. Yeah, yeah, you gotta figure out. You know which elf is more important to put on the board right now. Is, is it always going to be Heritage Shirt, or maybe is it Quirion Ranger or Wirewood Symbiote? The you answer know? is Wirewood Symbiote. That card... <laughs> when, you, when you give the deck to someone who doesn't play elves, what is this thing doing here? It's not even an elf. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sweet summer child. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I remember when I was looking at lists for... You know, that one confused me at first. I'm like, why would you even want this? That's <laughs> <laughs> because you want to you save that Heritage Druid or save that Deathrite Shaman sometimes. 
Mm. Hey, I cannot tell you how many times I've been playing a deck where Elvish Visionary turns into a fog every turn because Wirewood Symbiote can let it block and then just bounce it back to hand. Yep. Yep. With Infect, you have Berserk, but most decks can't do much about that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, So going back to your YouTube channel here, um, the one question I love asking is, why did you start your YouTube channel? I started it so that I wouldn't suck. <laughs> that's the that's the way I like to put it. I originally it was just a way to put videos of myself up for critique. Uh, it's mostly a gameplay channel, and the first I don't know fifty videos were all gameplay, and it was just me hoping that people could tell me where I was effing up, <laughs> where I was messing up royally. Uh, and then it eventually became something that I like to do. For other reasons as well. I've I found out that I like to brew decks. I found out that I wanted to be a dedicated specialist, and Infect would be my archetype uh, in as many formats as it would be allowed. Um, I even added some other games, too. If you if you really want to dive deep into the channel, you can find, of all things, Super Smash Bros. Melee and Smash 4 a little bit. You've, you can find Yu-Gi-Oh!, because actually, I play Yu-Gi-Oh too. I know I just lost some people on that, but I <laughs> people who haven't played Yu-Gi-Oh, it is a very different game, and it is uh, part of the reason I love it is it's so apples and oranges. If you only play Magic and then you switch over to Yu-Gi-Oh, those same skills do not translate. No, 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 no. Um, I could go onto a whole tangent about that, but. Maybe this is the magic podcast. Maybe not. Suffice to say, I like. Uh, actually, I will say one more thing. The deck that I play in that is the same deck I've been playing for about a decade. Of course, tweaked over time. It's essentially if you're familiar with uh, vintage workshops. Yes. It's it's that it's that abomination brought to Yu-Gi-Oh. Actually, it's, oh it's, god. It's like if you played vintage workshops, but you also had the ability to show and tell Iona. And make your opponent not able to play their cards. That's what I'm doing in Yu-Gi-Oh. Um. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I literally know nothing about Yu-Gi-Oh. I know um, I bought my oldest daughter um, one some Yu-Gi-Oh dual decks or something. I don't know. And we tried getting into it and playing. It's like I just couldn't get into it. And it seemed very confusing to play. Uh, you go back to some of the older cards and you look at how small the text is, and then you look at them now, where you need a magnifying glass. Uh, you play elves in Legacy, so imagine you're across the table from someone on Sneak and Show, and they show and tell in Iona, for whatever reason Iona's in the deck now, sideboard game, let's say, and Iona names green, and now you can't play creatures for the rest of the game. That's what my deck does every single time it plays. Well, that doesn't sound nice. <laughs> uh, it's it's not, but one of the advantages to a deck that says no is that it, even if you're behind on the metagame, it's still good. You know, I don't need yeah. to know the newest combo deck in Yu-Gi-Oh! if I can just tell them no. It, it is true. <laughs> all right. But that, that all said, that, there's my little spiel on that. Um. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm sure there are other games on the channel as well, but uh, few and far between. 
No, but that's cool. You've had, um, it looks like you've had moderately, you know, some moderate success on YouTube. You've got about four and a half thousand subscribers here. And, um, what would you say is some of the reasons for your success? I've been on the platform for four years, four and a half years now. That's, that's a lot of it. Uh, when you put the trend up, it actually isn't all that great. A thousand subscribers a year. When you put it in that perspective, not so much. Admittedly, I think a lot of that has to do with the format. Again, most of mine are gameplay videos. And gameplay videos, sort of inherently, unless there's a strong personality behind it, are not going to be the most watched videos. Um, you know, if I put up a video, if I put on one of your podcasts, I can listen to you and go about the rest of my day. Uh, if I watch something from the professor, kind of the same thing for the most part, discussion videos, deck techs. But with a gameplay video, you sort of have to be watching the whole time to really get the fullness of it. And that's not something that's conducive to a, a lot of viewers. So if someone were to try to get into a magic channel these days, admittedly gameplay is probably not the most conducive to getting subscribers. I mean, that's not the only metric that matters. If it were... I wouldn't still be on YouTube, but you know, yeah. <laughs> and especially it, with something like legacy for people like you and I, who haven't been playing magic for as long as we have, um, especially like, you know, watching vintage or legacy, for instance, those are really confusing formats for new players. They are, but there's a little bit of the opposite being true, which is that a lot of people who can't play those formats can watch those videos vicariously. I think my second most watched gameplay video on the channel is a vintage game. It's uh, when I played a, a deck called Solidarity versus uh, Grix's Control. So I guess for a lot of people, if they can't play it, themselves uh, even on magic online it's pretty expensive to get into vintage for instance and you don't have oh, some yeah. buddies that'll you know proxy up some decks and go for it that way it, it, that's kind of the only thing you can do but yes you're right that it is a it is certainly a confusing format <laughs> and i don't know anyone that would argue with that I mean, there's even still times that I'll watch Legacy now on, you know, a Grand Prix or Star City Games, and if I look away for one second, you know, I'm just look look at the board. Say like, wait, what the fuck just happened? I don't know what, what just happened here. How did he get thirty cards into his graveyard that quickly? <laughs> yeah, it's like you because at least with standard, there's nothing that crazy going on most of the time. Unless we're talking about four color rally, where they're just playing solitaire for five minutes, um, but we don't have anything like that right now. Thank God. <laughs> I was about to say the salt is so real; it's been holding over for how long? <laughs> oh well, e even when I played that deck, because I played it too, I still I had no fun playing that deck. Oh, <laughs> God, it was just and, and that was at the time when I was trying to be more competitive and all that stuff. And I realized I hate this deck. It's so boring. And it's and I have to pay attention to what I'm doing, like a thousand percent. <laughs> you know, I can't just play a, a land and say go. It's like, nope, I got to, you know, play with myself for 50 minutes here and, you know, hope that my opponent you know, scoops or cries. That's why I can't play Storm. It's like I, I, 
I don't like playing against Storm, and I don't like playing as Storm. I can't help you there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I'm just one of those. Not not that I think decks like Storm are unfair or anything like that. It's just I. I don't know. I'm just not into solitaire when it comes to magic. I like the interaction way more. Fair enough. Um, unless we count Charbelcher as a storm deck, which it's not. Not really. It can win through Empty the Warrens, but that's not a storm deck. Uh, until I... Not counting that, the first storm deck I ever played was Paradoxical Outcome in Vintage. I did not realize how much I loved... Like I told you, I love putting these puzzles together of combo turns. Yeah. I did not realize how much I loved it until I started playing it. I I might actually try to pick up Storm in Legacy, but that's a very different... I I imagine that if I had to do that all the time, it might get a little bit old. Just Just a bit. Just a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I've only played very few games of Vintage, and that was just on X-Mage. And um, I was playing... Um, shit, what was it? <laughs> I forget like the name of it, but I know the main win con was Young Pyromancer. And just casting a shit ton of spells. And, of course, I always went up against either Shops or... Um, mentor, and this is before oh. they um, restricted Lodestone Goblin in it. Wait, so, no, no. Lodestone Goblin has been restricted since before Monastery Mentor was printed. You mean before they restricted uh, Mentor? Did they restrict Mentor now? Yeah, it's it's restricted. Monastery Mentor, Gitaxian Probe, and Gush all got the cut at the same time. That's how bad that deck was. <laughs> That's how oh, so dominant that deck was. I guess that was before then because I know, like the last time I even touched it, I went up against nothing but. My, what the hell? I didn't know that. It's okay. There was a time when those were basically the only two decks because Monastery Mentor beat all the other blue control decks, and Shops yeah. beat Mentor because it just overtaxed them, and that was about it. <laughs> that was your meta game. So, yeah, yeah. So it it had to have been b- before those were because I didn't even know Gitaxian Probe got restricted in it. Oh shit! That yeah, shows how much I pay attention to vintage. <laughs> Legacy is the only format now where you can play more than one Gitaxian Probe. Which I hope it stays that way. <laughs> oh, you're breaking my heart, man! Modern Infect, you're breaking my heart. No, let them let them restrict um, brainstorm or ban brainstorm first in legacy before they get rid of Gitaxian probe. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. <laughs> you're, you're saying keep it in legacy, not don't put it in modern. Although even as an infect player, maybe not modern. Uh, Death Shadow ruin it for ruin it for everyone. They no, really I- did because I missed that card in my Grixis Delver deck. It. It was so good turn one, being able to get info from my opponent, draw a card, and then play Serum's Vision right after that, too. Oh, yeah. And so. I know people will make the case, but Infect is part of the reason Gitaxian Probe got banned. Yeah, but Fatal Push just got printed. Fatal Push! Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's perfectly fine, but nope. Fucking Death Shadow. <laughs> Death Shadow. But uh, yeah, oh man, yeah, so... 
I can't believe Monastery Mentor got freaking restricted in it. Yeah, it was before that. It had to have been over a year ago now then. Yeah. When you play Young Pyromancer in Vintage, you trigger off of instants and sorceries. Uh, Monastery Mentor triggered off of your Moxen as well and your other artifacts. That's right. That's right. And, and on top of that, the tokens got bigger. So Yeah, yeah. they'll have prowess, so... Oh man. Yeah, when I I enjoyed playing the mentor decks and the young pyro deck when I would try to play shops, I did not I, I didn't enjoy that because it was basically I lock my opponent out and then mm. I just play with myself until I win. Yep. Yep. I mean like Although- I I can see how good it was, like how it how it could be fun for the first couple times and after that you just sort of feel like an asshole. We could we could actually play a game though with the, so there's shops but there are uh, different variants of shops and some of them have actual names and some of them don't. Let me let me quiz you real quick because this is one of my favorite little games to do with people who haven't seen this before. <laughs> okay, so car shops is that an actual deck? Let's see, I don't know. I I really don't know the meta that well. No, no. I, I, this isn't a meta thing. This is just like variants of shops. Car shops is a deck. It they use vehicles like uh, Sky Sovereign and that Fleet Wheel Razor, Fleet Wheel Cruiser, something like that. Oh my gosh, really? Fleet Wheel. Yeah, that was a vintage thing. Uh, oh, that's how awesome. about how? Yeah, it is. How about Ravager Shops? Is that a is that a shops I've, variant? I've heard of that one. Okay, so yeah, that one, you know. How about Panther Shops? No, I'm not familiar with that one. Very, 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 very briefly, Slash Panther was in Shops decks. If you have any idea... Yeah, I hear you typing over there, Slash Panther. I'm I'm going to MTG Top 8. (laughs) (laughs) New Phyrexia. It is a 4-mana and red Phyrexian mana. I want to say it's like a 4-2 with haste. That's it. That's it. And that's all play. (laughs) <laughs> what the hell? Uh, smoke shops. No, never heard of that. Smokestacks in uh, shops. It's it's basically what happens when stacks and workshops have this horrible abomination of a get together. Okay, okay. Enough of that. Enough of that. I, I love playing this game. All right. So oh, anyway, man. anyway, so. We were going to talk at some point about EDH, I think, weren't we? <laughs> oh, yeah, at some point. I wanted to ask you some more um, YouTube questions. Well, go for it. Um, so with the success you've had with your channel, I mean, I know what you said You said earlier where, you know, even though you're not trending as much, but, you know, you still have a pretty good, relatively big following there. Um, and it looks like you're really consistent in terms of putting out stuff. Um, because just from what I'm saying, you're actually really consistent with putting out videos and stuff like that, regardless of, you know, whether it's a, a video about you or your, your child or gameplay video, deck tech, um, you know, what are some things or what's some advice you may give to other magic YouTubers looking to get in the game as well, too? Oh, to get into the the YouTube game? Yeah. Okay, okay. This is one of those do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do-but-in-a-good-way sort of things. Uh, (laughs) Thumbnails are your friend. 
thumbnails are your friend. Uh, it, you'll notice if you look at my channel, a lot of mine don't have uh, custom thumbnails. They're images of the game, but a lot of mine do, but most of them don't. If you're just browsing around and you see my video in the sidebar, I'll, you know, it's paper gameplay. That's appealing to some people, but you know what's more appealing? A thumbnail. Now, the, the trick with thumbnails, though, is that they take a lot more work. That means you have to actually do some work. I know, I know, and I'm, I'm an adult. If you're a college kid or a high school kid and you don't have a job and you can devote that much time, definitely make thumbnails because it helps a lot. It really does. Oh, yeah. All right. And it also, if, if you're making videos once a day, yeah, I mean, that's it's hard to do that for every video. We get that. We're not all PewDiePie and we have a team that can make that sort of stuff for us. Uh, but on the other hand, if you make a video once a week, definitely, definitely go and do that. And there are a bunch of different styles. Find what fits you best. So that's one. That's one thing. Number two, and I touched on this earlier, uh, but I'll, actually I'll give you both sides of the coin. On the one hand, gameplay is hard for a lot of people to get into because they have to sort of stay with it for the whole video in order to really make it work, for the most part. You can listen to it, but it's not the same as actually watching the game. Uh, on the other hand, they're also pretty low effort to make, and I, I admit that. I a actively admit that as someone who does that for most of his channel, so, you know, let me expose myself over here. But no, no, it's relative to having to do a lot of video editing for, say, the meme videos I make. The meme videos take much longer than just recording a gameplay. Uh, yeah, those sort, other sorts of content will take more, but quality over quantity. Unless you're like me and you're going for, I, I do gameplay still because it's something that I've been doing and it still helps me as a player. If you want to do something yeah. like that, it absolutely, for the most part, believe it or not, this will come as an epiphany to some people, the YouTube comment section is not utter garbage. There are people that what? will actually tell you, you at 1541, uh, y you were, I don't know, what was going on? For you were one mana shy. You actually didn't have that one mana there. Maybe it's part of a long combo turn with elves, and I thought I had an extra mana off a cradle or something like that. Yeah. People will let you know where you mess up. or Of course uh, they will. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, more constructively than you might think. And maybe that's now. Admittedly, though, I, I know this. This is gonna. This is something that's kind of hard to help. Uh, I know from experience that's less likely to happen to you if you are a girl. That's the way that it is, unfortunately. Um, yeah, we, one of my videos that has uh, a girl on it. They're a little more likely, less likely to be constructive in the criticism. Uh, but YouTube filters are your friend. YouTube filters are your. Comment filters are your friend. Uh, I wish I wish that weren't the way it is. Maybe it's changing, but that's the way it is right now. Um, even so, it's still worth getting into. All right. Okay. Yeah. No, that was a good answer there. Um, so, let me see here. Just pulling it up here again. All right. So you've been doing this for about four years now. Um, you have, I mean, when 
I mean, are you concerned with the, I guess, when you look at your channel, are you concerned with the rate of growth or wanting to expand it or get it bigger or anything like that? Uh, no. Uh, to be honest, I'm not. And that's a good thing because it's it's not. <laughs> it's not getting much bigger at this rate. Um, it, I, I understand that as niche as the type of content is, it's not going to see the largest possible audience. I'm never going to take over the Professor Wedge or Rudy or Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive. <laughs> I'm never going to overtake those people, uh, you know, largely because of format. But I, I do the best I can, and I do this regardless of... You know, if YouTube dropped monetization on all my videos, I'd still end up doing this. If okay. uh, if anyone, not literally, no, if no one watched my videos, I'd stop. Like, literally no one. But if a lot of people stopped watching, I'd still end up making videos. I have a lot of fun doing it. I still get critiqued. You, you know, I have a small following, but I have a dedicated following that, you know, is... It's kind of it's weird and it's a little cliche. It's it's a family. It is. Yeah. Uh, when you see the same few faces that show up in the comment section over and over again, it's it's heartening. I find. Um, yeah. Know, no, I, I I know what you mean. Um, I've got the same kind of thing going on with the podcast as well too. You know, I've got a few select people out there that listen to every single episode and had a few people listening since the beginning. Too oh, as wow. well that still listen to it. Yeah, I'm surprised they aren't completely turned off by it yet. <laughs> I'm kind of Benjamin buttoning my way through your channel. I'm going back. <laughs> oh God! I mean, the quality is already bad. It's just going to keep getting worse as you go back. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> There's something to look forward to. All right. Oh dear. I'm so sorry. No, it's all good. I, I, I do very much enjoy doing this. Uh, I'm glad that. I'm not working so much that I don't have time to do this. It's it's a real it is a real pleasure. Um, I get to meet all kinds of people, um, and it's not just in the magic community. I do multiple types of videos on the channel, so I, I meet people in. If you there's a competitive Super Smash Brothers melee scene, I, I've met yep. people from that that are insanely good at it. <laughs> you know, I I've met. Uh, Craig Wesco, I've met Tom Ross, I've met Ruben Bressler, I've met Sam Black, I've met Huey Jensen, I've met Owen Turtenwald, I've met That's cool. uh, uh, Jared Betcher's band, but you know, still there is a time. Uh, <laughs> my my story about my my concentration of meeting players is I went to Grand Prix DC back in 2013. It was a legacy mm -hmm. GP. I made D2, but I only went 10-5 for the whole thing. Um, no buys uh, going into it. And for the top A, I went to a spot, just stood in a spot, and did not move for three hours. And I have YouTube to testify that I did not move that whole time. So I got to see, I got to see all the tables as close as you can get. I got pros walking by me. And I was just, I was in hog heaven. I thought that was the greatest thing. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I got to see some pros over the weekend as well, too. Um, I got to shake Seth Manfield's hand and told him congratulations for the Pro Tour win. Um, I got, have you ever met him before? 
I don't think I have met Seth Manfield. If I did, it was before I realized who he was. Um, yeah, he is a lot smaller in real life than I thought. Hmm. Like, just I don't know how tall you are or anything, but he not. And, I, <laughs> and, I, and I'm not like trying to, you know, make fun of him or anything like that. But you know how when you see people on TV, they either look bigger than they are, and then you seem like, oh, you're you're short. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> like you didn't even realize it, but no, he he was he was nice. Um, I got to see uh, Brad Nelson. I didn't get to really talk to him or anything. He looked way too busy. Um, yeah. And, and when I did see him, I think he just lost a game too. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not going to bother you on that one. And um, got to see like Jacob Baugh and um, Shaheen Surani. Sura- I, yeah. Yeah. I, probably butchering that um there were some others too that i i don't remember or they're they weren't as big but i've 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 seen their faces before though so apparently uh, everyone has a brad nelson story and they're all the same brad nelson story which is i saw him after a game and whether he wins or loses he's not in the mood to talk right then i i went to gp atlanta a, a while back and he was mm-hmm. Going into top eight, this wasn't the, this was the second time I spoke to him. I'm like, hey, I'm T1 Glistener Elf. I'd like to interview you because he, he was on Infect that day. Okay, cool. But going into top eight, he's like, look, dude, I'm I I can't talk. I'm in the zone. Yeah, I, not right now. He wasn't a jerk about it or anything, you know. So. Oh yeah. No, I mean it. I mean I get it. It's e- even though all I did were side challenges that weekend, but I played what over 12 rounds of magic and even though it was a lot more relaxed and it wasn't comp Ariel, i can see how these pro players get tired at you know especially during sunday because it's like holy crap the you have to concentrate you know every single round yeah. and really focus and it gets tiring those and- buys are a huge deal and that's a lot of the reason why those buys mean you don't have to but frankly, you don't have to think for one, two, three rounds that everyone else who doesn't have them has to. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can definitely see that. And I can definitely, because after I've talked to some other pros that I've had on the podcast, like Emma Handy or Todd Stevens or Jeff Hoagland, they um all basically said the same thing that, you know, as soon as you get done with one weekend, you can't even think about that weekend anymore. You got to focus on the next one. And it's just, this sounds so tiring. It's, <laughs> hey, it's just so it's much magic. Oh, yeah. yeah. <sighs> and and th- that's the thing that also kind of turned me off for one to go competitive. It's so much magic you play for so little reward as well, too. And it, it just doesn't seem worth it to me, honestly. I guess once you get there, if you get there... The reward is that you get to keep doing it, but we have this, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to bring it up again. Um, Super Smash Brothers Melee is a game that is 16 years old that people play competitively, and a lot of the way they're able to do that is they'll get sponsored by a team that will fly them around to all these tournaments. Well, for Magic, we have, yeah, Wizards does that a bit, um, you know, Hashtag pay the pros was the thing for a while. We remember that? Yep, yep when, I remember that. Yeah. But, you know, Channel Fireball, Star City Games, TCG Player, we have a few teams like that. Right now, just, there aren't an, enough that I think 
all of the talent that is worthy of it can get those sorts of teams. But that's just ah, the joy of being an, an eSport that's not an eSport, I, I guess. Well, I mean, not just that, but the if there's no money in the game. I mean, even if you get sponsored, it's from what I've heard and read, you, you, you're still not making barely any money. I mean, you got to write a lot for these sites in order to make... That, that's part of it. A lot of these people have, you know, writing quotas. You have to write this many words or this many articles, you know, in a certain time period, and you're still practicing for all these, you know, you're playtesting for all these events you have to go to, and you play in all the events. Um, you know, that's that's a lot. That's, yeah. It ends up being a lot. The If you really love the game... The upside is you get to play the game for a living. You know, that's a that's a that's a pretty big payment in and of itself. But admittedly, that's not one of the ones that keeps the lights on. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, if I didn't have to worry about money, maybe I would do something like that. Maybe not to the extent that the pros are doing, but something similar. You know, definitely understood. That would be. Ooh, that would be great. Yeah, but, I mean it, it. It would it would be fun to go to more GPS and you know be able to play and meet more pro players and you know do the main events. But yeah, just just no money in it though. That, that's the thing. You basically have to was it like top sixteen to even get any kind of decent prize payout at most of these. Uh, I'm sure it depends on the tournament size. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what it is, but. Um, they are pretty top heavy. I think we can all agree to that one. Yeah, I remember getting to uh, GPDC day two, and before we got started with round ten, we had to sign our tax forms for all. Um, how many people are getting paid? Not not that many, but yeah. just just in case they make you do it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I I played Infect that tournament. That was 2013. I played Infect before. 2013? Yeah, 2013. No, I'm positive. That's right. I had to think about that for a sec. Uh, I was playing Infect before it was cool. I was playing Infect <laughs> before Tom Ross made it a big deal, and I was playing it when it was Bug, which is not Sultai. It is Bug back. It was Bug back then. Um, I didn't know. I was in this weird spot where I owned duels, but not Force of Will. Huh. Huh. Which That's is definitely uh, a weird one. Well, it certainly is now, because Force of Will has been printed enough times. Back then, it was just the one. And revised duels, you could actually get, you know... so it Somewhat decently? Perhaps. Somewhat decently, yeah. It, it's a little different than the now, but even so... Oh, God, so, yeah. You know, it was a it was Infect, but it was not a counterspell Infect. It had days. It didn't have Force of Will. Um, yeah, I'm looking at Force of Will prices right now, not looking at the Eternal Masters one, but Alliance going for 50 bucks, as low as 45 okay. Oh, man, this would be the perfect time to pick some up, actually. E- even though they're in, like, moderately played to heavily played condition, pff, um, as long as I can use it in a tournament, I'm good. That's that's all that matters, man. That is all. That- Force of Will is not a reserve list card. Tropical Island is so. God, there you go. It's like I've I've heard the arguments on both sides about reserve list, but just just reprint the duels. I, I don't care. Just give them all new art because you know I'm, the old ones will still retain their value. 
remember that they're not supposed to make uh, functional reprints of these cards. Now, a functional reprint means that you can't just simply change like the art on it, for instance. You can't change the name. The mechanics of it have to be the same, or very, very similar. You know, I don't know if they have to be exactly the same, but here, here's one for you. You could ch- add a super type. This is certainly nothing new. This is an argument that is you know, seemingly as old as time itself. But you can add a super type to a dual land, like Snow or Legendary. And then it's not the same thing anymore, especially with Legendary. That one has huge implications. Uh, and then if you print those, y- you could... And it, well, wait a minute. The now decks can run eight of these or nine of these. No, you just ban the old ones. I'm not actually saying that's what we should do. I'm... <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that's what... I'm hearing myself saying that and realizing that's what it sounds like I'm arguing. I'm saying that's an option. You could print them with Snow and Legendary and if or Legendary, and if you were to do that, in order to avoid certain decks having too many of these, you could then ban the older ones. But... Mm, I don't know. I say just reprint them. L- let Wizards handle all the flack for it. I mean, God, <laughs> it's just yeah. so—it's I mean, so frustrating. On the other hand, I've heard and I kind of agree with the argument that the reserve list is one of those. You know, um, uh, Rudy from Alpha Investments also gets into, or I don't know if he does anymore. Had bought into Pokemon, the trading card game. Hey, yeah. Uh, there is a roaring, a roaring skies that set got a reprint got a, a huge reprint apparently a whole nother yeah. print run for and the that, shaman ex i remember yeah, that that's right and that tanked the price of a lot of these and so it apparently i i can't speak to this but apparently they had said they weren't going to end up doing another print run like this and then they they did a print run if that's the case that undermines your faith in that company in that trading card game well, so far, because Magic hasn't broken that reserve list promise, the, the same thing can't be said for Magic. And look, you can have a trading card game that is just fine and dandy and not be an investor's game. Um, this might be out of date now, but according to the Guinness Book of World Records, what's the game that has the most cards in circulation? I'll let, I'll let you guess. What is it? What do you think? Mm, the the fifty two card. Okay, okay, trading card. Okay, <laughs> trading card. Okay, okay, good, good one. You got me. um um the Star Wars or the the five was it that Ronin that's oh the, uh, Legend of the Five Rings. Yes, yes, that one, that one. That's <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, no. It is a. Uh, it is in fact forcible. No, it is not. It is not forcible. <laughs> I'm trolling. Okay, no, it's Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh does. Now its market isn't as large in the U.S., but bear in mind this is a game where you typically get not 15 but nine cards per pack, and only one of them's a rare. There's no uncommon rarity. And yet, oh, and also this is a game that infamously you can figure out what you're going to get for its rarity before you open it. They've done. They've kind of fixed that a little bit, but not. No, it's still a problem. And even with that, it has more cards sold. And the reason is because 
it is definitely not an investor's game. If a card is in value, if, if it's in vogue, they will either ban something in its archetype, that happens a little too frequently for my taste, or yeah. they will print the ever-loving sh- out of it <laughs> in a year or a year and a half. They, they have a reprint set. They have an Eternal Masters, Modern Masters, Iconic Masters on average more than once a year. And that's not counting structure decks. And that's more impressive when you consider that the only major tournament format in Yu-Gi-Oh! is what Magic players would call Legacy. There's no standard. There's Sealed is barely a thing. And they have a vintage, but that doesn't see any, any competitive play. Yeah. It's all Legacy. No, and I mean, I, I, I can, I can get it. I mean, I understand why they won't break it, but it still doesn't change the fact of it's still too much money to get in these forms, and especially, and not that I can't afford it. I mean, I could go and buy all the dual lands right now. I'm just gonna have a very pissed off wife. she's going to be like, why did you empty all of our savings for some stupid pieces of cardboard? And I'll be like, well, you see, it's so I could play the game. (laughs) Well, kind of devil's advocate here. Wizards is trying to have its cake and eat it too. If you want to play Legacy or Vintage, it's much more accessible online, to which the reserve list, of course, does not apply. You can get as many Black Lotuses as you want, can't put them in the same deck, but in Vintage, in MTGO. You can you but, can that, but I can't buy it from Wizards. I have to buy it from a third party. Yeah. See, yeah. W- w- Wizards isn't actually getting that money from from me though. I mean, th- they'll get the money if I'm buying the tickets per se. Yeah. But if I have other cards that you know I can just sell for tickets, then they're kind of not getting that money. So to say, I mean, th- they are in a in a sense, but not directly. I understand. Yeah. No, I I guess. I mean, I, I wish they. I wish they were. I wish they hadn't made the reserve list in the first place. I'm sure a lot of people over there wish they hadn't made the reserve list in the first place. Um, but they, I, I, when they had Chronicles, which was the Modern Masters before there was Modern Masters. Yeah. They had the backlash and they kind of freaked out. And I understand why they did it. Um. Just I wish they hadn't. When they could have gone in the exact uh, bear in mind though, they could have gone in the exact opposite direction. That's exactly what happened with Dark Beginnings and Dark Revelations and Yu-Gi-Oh. They went the exact opposite direction and investors fled that game. You don't play Yu-Gi-Oh if you want to invest. It's an awful investment. Um, your cards are not going up because they get reprinted so much. I think a lot of people play Magic in part because, hey, my cards are likely to hold their value, and at least in paper. I, I ended up selling 99.9999% of my collection, um, and I was able to do that because they held their value. That's that's a thing. You can't you can't do that in a lot of other games. No, to a certain, to a certain I, extent. I, yeah, I, I, I get that. I get that, and it's um, it still doesn't change the fact that you know a, a lot of players just can't afford to play this game, and it's um, especially since Wizards is now trying to get Legacy back onto the scene, and, and just in the team Grand Prix they're having, and the aren't they even doing a team pro tour at some point or something? 
or is it just Grand Prix they're doing? Team Grand Prix, I think it's just Team Constructed, and Legacy is part of one of the formats. I mean, it's if they just put the duels off of the reserve list and reprinted them, I, I can, yeah, the the original duels will lose some of their value, but they'll still retain a lot of it. I'm not saying reprint the Power Nine, no. That I I that's one I agree that they shouldn't reprint. You know, let the, let that stay. Let that be. You know, one of the treasures of Magic: The Gathering. You know what I mean? Um, I hear you. I'll, I'll tell you what. You could institute the harpy rule. Here, here's how it works. You print something very similar. Uh, I mentioned the snow duels earlier. You print the snow duels, and then you include a little bit of text in there that says that they can't be run in the same deck as, uh, you know. Tropical Island cannot be run in the same deck as Subtropical Island. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, you know, just so such that you can have four of your older ones, or you can have four of these. Adds an- another layer of complexity, but that one would not be subject to the... Res- I mean, for one, it would be snow, so it wouldn't be functionally the same on that basis. For another, it would have an extra little line of text. Uh, I don't know if that crosses the line. I, this is something I just thought of. But that, that seems like it could. Mm, I don't know, actually. It could work. Yeah. Okay. Now <laughs> we we are right. how far in, and we have so much else that we could talk about. I want. I'm here to stay as long as you are, my friend. Oh no, I can't stay for that long. I That's gotta wake right, up. Work. All right. Well, yeah, but us early. But let's get into the book that you're making. Yes. That you have. Um, set up a kickstarter for it's called it's time to sleep and why don't you talk a little bit about it i love my toddler i love my little kid i love my little girl if you get nothing else out of this if you go watch my channel watch go watch baby videos that playlist at oh my goodness <laughs> um you will you will see very quickly i adore her <laughs> she's she's the greatest thing um you can tell I'm a little inspired, and I actually let me take a step back. So when she was much younger, when she was about like turn of two and younger than that, um, I could get her to sleep with a technique that all new parents should learn. It is the baby massage. Between the baby massage and scratching her back or scratching her head, I could relax her enough that she would fall asleep. Pretty quickly. Um, obviously, that won't work in every case if your kid has has something. But mine was very good, and I <laughs> I thank the person who taught me that, who taught me the the one finger massage. You use. Well, anyway, when she got a bit older, that didn't work anymore. She you know she'd roll onto her back, and that made that kind of hard. So now to help her relax, to get her to sleep, I came up with my own lullaby. Well, one stanza became two, and I wanted to turn it into a children's book because she liked it. I, I liked it, and I wanted to share it with the world. I think it's, you know, it, it would mean a lot to me if I could. And so I decided to start a Kickstarter for this children's book. It's the I expanded to six stanzas, and it's that in book form, beautifully illustrated by um, our artist. Is I don't. I don't know that anyone in your audience would know who it is. It's not exactly uh, a Picasso. It's a. I'll, I'll give you her uh, information in case someone out there wants to commission her as well. Her name is okay. Maria Gomez. She's a uh, 
an artist from Chile. And oh my goodness, her watercolors are are one are again I can't I can't use that word too many times. She makes it um, really pop. I I love the the bright colors, the bubbly images. We we started with some pictures of just the two of us, and she adapted them um, into watercolor, and it's it's just gorgeous. Um, so I started a Kickstarter for it. I will say uh, it's it's not look it's not doing too well. It uh it's below pace. It's under pace. Um, but it's called it's time to sleep. Evangeline's lullaby, and it's to get enough money to finish the illustrations because we have some but not all. We would get a first print run, and then the usual fees that come along with making a book, like an ISPN and barcode that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then fulfilling Kickstarter rewards. Because for those that don't know, I, I guess your audience probably going to know what Kickstarter is, but would you like me to explain that too? Sure, sure. Explain it to them. Sure. So Kickstarter is a crowdfunding website where you pledge to uh, give to a certain campaign. You pledge to a campaign. And a pledge is something like a purchase, except if the campaign doesn't reach its goal, then you don't get... You don't get anything, but you don't lose anything either. Nothing, no money's withdrawn unless it reaches its goal, and so that helps to reduce the risk of supporting a campaign like this. Uh, so I say it's like a purchase. That means you actually do get stuff. So at a certain level, for instance, you get a signed copy of the book. At a certain level, you get digital wallpapers for your phone and your desktop. You get an audio book. There's an art print in there. An art print, uh, coloring pages. You can have uh, a kid. You can have a loved one or a pet if you don't have a, a kid or someone like that. You can add a pet <laughs> to the book to the the art. Um, you know, get your canine or feline friend in. Yeah, um, or other. <laughs> other is good too. Guinea pigs, snakes, birds. Ah, whatever. I don't need. I'm. Whenever I get to talking about this, you can tell I'm. No, no, you're definitely a passionate about it, and um, it's it's exciting to see that because, I mean, I definitely had an idea like this at one point with um, my oldest, and it just never went through. But it's exciting that um, you know you're doing this and putting yourself out there for it. So as you said, I know I saw a tweet from you. I think it was earlier today or yesterday, saying that you don't think it's going to get fulfilled. If it doesn't get fulfilled. What are you? What What are the steps you're going to take from there for this? So what'll end up happening is I will have to. So I'll have to make sure that all the illustrations get done first. I, basically, we'll we'll start from scratch. We'll get the book actually finished first. So th- I, I mentioned this earlier, but the campaign is to fund finishing the illustrations, getting an initial print run, and then those miscellaneous fines and fees. Yeah. Basically, we would, I would, on my own, try to raise enough money uh, to get the illustrations done, and then I'd come back to it where all I need to do is a print run. And that's a much lower bar to reach, and we might be able to do that, but it's always harder the second time around. It's always harder asking someone, hey, I know this didn't work last time, so I'm... Um, you know, I have a job. I can put some money aside every now and then for finishing those, and that'll take a while. But I'll, I'll, I'll make it happen. You know, she, 
you know, she means a lot to me. So one way or another, this project is is happening. It's it's not oh if I don't get this, it's never going to be. It just won't be on quite the same timetable. Um, okay, and we'll go. No, that me. makes sense. Yeah. Now, um, and what about shopping it around to other publishers? Has is that how's that done? If you have you attempted that or? I uh, I've been yeah shopping is a good word for it. That's kind of what it is. I, I'm trying to self-publish first, and since okay. it does not look that that's – but regardless of whether I, I self-publish or not, I'm going to need the illustrations done. That, that's another – the illustrations kind of have to be done first. Um, okay. Yeah, that's the, – the book itself, as far as content is concerned, needs to be taken care of. And this is not as much of an issue for uh, adult books, books that are in the standard, mostly text format. Uh, because it doesn't matter who you send it to, the, the text is going to be the same. But with children's books, I, I cannot think of a single children's book off the top of my head that isn't illustrated. And that's usually not done at the publishing level. And even if it were, there are some publishers where you'll pay them, your, their illustrators will do your book for you, and then you'll go from there. But uh, even if that were the case, I still have my own illustrator who is passionate about this project too – and I think perfectly does our style. I mean, go onto my Twitter or go onto the Kickstarter page itself for this campaign and look at those images and tell me that's not gore. And if you watch the little video for it too, the trailers on my YouTube channel, you see the picture evolve into the art. I've, I, it's unique as far as I have seen. And I would not want to use another artist if I can. Oh no, I I'm looking at it right now, and it definitely looks um looks really good. Yeah, as long as she makes Evangeline look great, I I I can I can look a little you know, whatever, but as long as Evangeline looks precious, and of course she does. I'm a little biased, but I think she does. <laughs> I'm supposed to be biased though. That's the uh, job. No, I, no I, that's okay. Um, yeah. No, it's, well, I didn't know that you had worked on a project like this yourself, too. You, um, you said for your old son, was it? Yeah, for my oldest daughter. Um, oh, daughter. My bad. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got two dollars. Two dollars. Two daughters. That's fine. Um, Give me 20 dollars. Oh, God. Um, I'm sorry. So, and we, we, tried, we tried something similar. Like, I... I don't even remember what the story was about or anything. It was, but I just started having her, but she was going to be the illustrator of the book. Like I was going to write something. At least I don't even remember what the story was, but I had it all planned out and I just had her just start drawing stuff. And it, it was, I thought it was a good idea and all that. But then, you know, as things happen, you just never follow through with it. And, stuff like that yeah one of the i won't get into the personal details there's a lot that's happened in my life of the past couple years and my solution to that has been this uh this using it as motivation to self-improve and so Mm -hmm. whenever i get this this feeling and i i know it happens it happens to everyone there's this inertia that makes you here's here's my PSA for everyone. If you are out there and you want to go and do something with your life, make yourself do it. There is this inertia that will try to keep you from doing it. 
If you want to start a podcast, <laughs> if you want to start a YouTube channel, you want to write a book. I mean, I can see in your case, you you ended up you didn't just you know sit on your butt the whole time. You you did something else. You kind of you did this, and it's fine. You, I mean, I have a YouTube channel. I have a daughter. I invest a lot of time in. And if I ever feel myself stop, if I ever feel myself wanting to to not do anything, then I have to make myself do it. So you're not going to make oh. anything happen. Basically, the the point of that is you're not going to make anything happen if you don't do it. So go oh, out I know and do exactly, it. I know exactly what you mean. There are so many times when it comes to recording this podcast, I'm just like, I just don't want to fucking do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just, especially when I get down on myself. I'm just like, you know what, fuck this shit. No one's listening to this podcast. Why, why do I even freaking bother? And then when I just finally sit down in front of the mic, and I don't know if you saw my video of how long it actually takes me to record a 10-second intro, It's it. that's usually what happens every single time, and then it just goes on from there. Mm. <laughs> mm. Well, is it worth it, though? Um, You know what? It is, in a sense, because it, it will, by the time this episode comes out, this episode's going to come out next Friday as I'm re- as we're recording this. I do talk a little bit about why I do the podcast, and I don't really want to spoil it for you, since oh. because by well by the time this comes out, my like couple listeners will have heard it by then, so they'll know what I'm talking about because. Um, when you're driving in a car for about eight hours, you tend to get bored and then you start to talk about life. (laughs) And I will say at one point in the podcast, this is at the very end of the episode where it's, I just start talking about life and doing stuff like a podcast and how much it could possibly mean for my kids and grandchildren as well, too. That is a, that is eerily resonant dude because when i when i drive uh, that's something i like to do as well i like to rehearse is a good way of of putting it i like to talk about what i'm going to talk about on my deck techs or you know if i have to do a discussion video coming up or just to sort some thoughts out to be honest um about the channel or I don't know. And, and, oh, here's a here's a neat little one. I I've just recently started doing. There's an app on my phone called Writer. Set set it up before you drive. Do not drive and be on your phone, but have it start recording and just record yourself. And you can record like a like your notes, your draft as if you were writing. And I I find that to be oh, an so easy is it, way. Is it dictation program? Essentially. I mean, it's Okay. That's one of its modes. You can type into it as well. Um, but I, I use it as dictation to uh, to get some writing out. See, I, I didn't start out as a children's author. I tried being, of all things, a sci-fi author. And I found children's writing to be... I, I This is not the only children's book I've written. <laughs> I have a lot of these ideas that if I can... I might just end up making into an anthology after after this original book, after this first one. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now, I, I originally, I know a long time ago, I tried to get into writing fantasy novels, and I actually had a few going at one point, 
and I think where my strength actually lies at because I have been a DM or a GM, whichever way you want to call it, for a very long time. I feel like if I were to put in the effort into it, I could probably write some, you know, campaign books if I really wanted to. Because I feel like I'm pretty decent at world building. Sure. In terms of that and even coming up with campaigns. It's just time. I don't I just don't have the time for it or and other stuff takes up my time, like, you know, family and stuff like geez, kids need attention and shit. I don't. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. You have to feed them. I mean, jeez. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> You're saying that, and I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Evangeline. I'm. I'm a little. I'm a little obsessed. She's. She's. Oh. Kind oh. Of don't get me wrong. I. I love my kids. I just talk a lot of shit. Hey, it's, it's all good. It's they. All good. I've got two do- Two daughters. They have me wrapped around their pinky. So. Yeah. It's. It, it you you think it won't be as bad as when they get older because I know exactly what you mean. Like I'd get home from work and just have my baby all night long, and yeah. until I went to bed and like not leave her side. It's pretty much the same. I mean, it's not they're glued to me when I get home and all that. You know, we we have our space apart, but it's one of those every weekend comes. I want to make sure we're doing something. As a family, even if it's we go out to the store for five minutes and come back. Sure. You know what I mean? That's a good so. thing, yeah. Yay, yeah. back! It means get on, <laughs> let me get on your back and I'll just walk around or run around with her. She, yep. Yeah, I, I definitely understand. Attached kids are, are a good thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right, so uh, how much time do you think we have left? Do you think we have enough to touch on? So, yeah, if you can really quickly, if you can contribute to that. I would be unbelievably appreciative if you can't, or even if you can, if you could share the Kickstarter um, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever you have, that would mean a lot to me as well. Um, this, yeah, no, this and project, I, I'll, um, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes as well, too, and I've already tweeted it out on Twitter like twice. Thank so you. it's, um, no, it's, we'll, we'll definitely give it a shot and try to, you know, get get it out there um and also this podcast does go on the radio uh, every tuesday night at 9 p.m eastern and it gets about it nets about fourteen thousand listeners as well too there so it's um it it will be heard (laughs) thank you I, i really do appreciate it um oh no problem man in what time we have do we have enough time to fit in a quick little EDH discussion. Yes, for a few minutes. For a few minutes. Okay. So I put up a, a poll on Twitter saying, you know, I'm going to start getting back into EDH. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm paraphrasing. Uh, which of these commanders, which of these generals should lead my army? And it was Animar for infinite combos because that deck has so many infinite combos. No. Uh, there's an out of deck. There's an out of date deck tech on my channel that needs to be updated to accommodate new lands, new creatures, um, and there were some choices in that deck that were really controversial, especially about the lands, where some of them come in tapped, where they could have been pain lands. But there's a reason for that. It's because certain infinite combos don't work with pain lands. Um, 
that it's okay. unfortunate that that's the way it is. But a lot of those pain lands can, I mean, tap lands can go away now because we have botanical sanctum and oh. uh, the the is the is that one spire bluff canal and a few like yep. that. We have a few new additions, so it's out of date. The controversy for about the lands is over, um, but that's one of them. Animar, but again, infinite combos turns every game into arch enemy. Maybe my favorite to play, but not necessarily to play with because people won't hate, people will hate me. Uh, then there was Atraxa. Now Atraxa can be played in a number of different ways. Mine was supposed to be Infect plus Super Friends. Atraxa Super Friends is written on the ten. Basically, you you know how that goes. Atraxa yeah. Infect is on the ten. You know how that goes. Uh, putting them together. I would like to try that out. And Atraxa has gotten so much better since the new Planeswalker uniqueness rule. The fact that no, we can play so no, many no, Jasons. No. <laughs> but it's true, man. I, we don't have I to know. like it. We don't have to like it. But that's it's true. And uh, <laughs> so many Jasons. Jace Tribal. Gideon Tribal. Liliana Tribal. They are all able to be Tribal in that deck. No. <sighs> no. No. But... Yeah. So anyway, so that's one. Um, but I'm not going to be a jerk about it. Don't worry. Uh, if I'm not playing Animar, I'm probably going to play something uh, not gimped, but more group-focused so that it's not, hey, everyone target me right off the bat. Uh, and then we have Heliod, which is very much in that camp. It's Master Pillow Fort. Uh, Heliod is a mono-white, largely enchantment prison deck that keeps my opponents from attacking me. Sphere of Safety, Ghostly Prison, those sorts of effects. It has a stacks engine going on, which is the not-so-fun part of it, I know. Um, but Heliod and stacks kind of go with each other. You know, you make tokens and then stack the tokens, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, and then I put Other, and I've gotten such wonderful responses as memes... Which I took to be Nivmez at Firemind because of the flavor text, which is the the mathematical notation that spells <laughs> Nivmez at if you turn sideways. Uh, we had Rakdos, Lord of Riots, which is almost literally the last commander I would try. Almost literally, maybe literally, actually, uh, last one that isn't in Legends. Let's say. Um, and I'm looking forward to see what shenanigans people put in there after that. Well, I guess it, the poll will be over by the time this is up. So, unfortunately, yeah. if you wanted to make uh, if you wanted to make me do, what's the stupidest commander that there is? If you wanted to try to errata storm, oh, I, legendary, I just I just replied to it. I, I gave you a commander. Oh dear God! Let's find out. Let's because it's, it's a commander that I'm actually building for right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, loading, loading. Yeah, I'm, I'm lo- gonna loading. let you I, I, load I, it I. up. All right, really quick. Uh, man, my internet is slow. How are we even talking, man? <laughs> I assume because we're talking, that's why it's so slow. I'm hoping that's all it is. Nick storm with st- crow storm. No, oh no no, no that's somebody else. Okay, okay, thank goodness. Uh, Ayesha Tanaka. Now you're gonna make me look something. Please tell me this is one of those <laughs> vanilla legendaries <laughs> from Legends. It is from Legends, but it has some special text on the card. 
if you want to look it up real quick. I'm looking it up. Banding. We start off with yes. banding. Okay, we're off to a great start. Banding is, I, I think banding is given too much of a hard time. Intuitively, it makes a lot of sense. It's when you delve into the minutia of the rules that it gets really complicated. Yes, uh, yes, you Counter-target activated ability from an artifact source, unless that ability's controller pays white mana. Okay, so I can counter, it doesn't say unless it's a mana abilities can't be targeted. It specifically states that. Okay, well... Never mind. I was about to say I can counter their Darksteel ingot for making mana, but no. I guess if I know a playgroup doesn't have white mana in it at all, that that might be something, but no, probably not. <laughs> I'm trying to look on the bright side, but no, probably not. That art, though, what is it? There's a golem in the background who looks like uh, Terry Crews, <laughs> and <laughs> we have... Geisha? I, I don't know what that is. I, yeah, I, the, I get the, Yeah, I, I'm not tattoos. sure exactly. So my take on that deck is basically I'm making a banding slash phasing deck. <laughs> the you didn't play in the 90s deck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my oh, gosh. Wow. Okay, then. When you put it that way, I want to see how many of these mechanics we can cram into a single deck those old ones let's just tribal old fogey are you familiar with old fogey oh yeah that that unglued oh is it unhinged i always i always get the two confused i never remember which is which i remember it as being the second one because it is the one uh one of the car it may be the only one that had the old unglued bordered even though it was in the one that everything else had the newer border because of course it's the old fogey so it made sense. Yeah. Yeah. So so part of my um, – one of the little things that I love about the Aisha Tanaka deck I built. So, of course, it's banding and phasing. But one of my favorite little things to do is um, have Wall of Tears. I don't know if you remember what Wall of Tears does. It's a – Zero four wall, and if wall wall of tears blocks any creatures, return each of those creatures to owner's hand at end of combat. So you give wall of tears banding, so you know you block you know everything on their side, and basically make them return everything. Um, there's an- there's another thing there too. Um, was an enchantment? You have been lost to pity. Hmm. All right. Oh, oh, Tefiri's realm as well too. An enchantment at the beginning of each player's upkeep. That player chooses artifacts, creatures, lands, or global enchantments. All cards of that type phase out. <laughs> I, I love those older cards or global enchantments. Yes. Which, by the way, if that's not a startup business, that needs to be a startup business. Get global the, enchantments. On that, yes, exactly. I don't know what they make. They don't have to make anything in this day and age. That happens sometimes. All right. No, we're but not yeah. in the tech boom. Okay. It, it is getting late. If the audience can't tell, it is getting late. This is this is T1 Glistener Elf late at night. <laughs> no, but I do want to thank you for coming on and um, you know, chatting up some magic with me and talking about your book and YouTube channel and all that. 
Um, where can people find you if they want to, um, you know, look you up? I am T One Glistener Elf on YouTube, and that is uh, actually I think it's. Let me let me while I'm at it. Let me pull it up really quickly because YouTube did some URL change a bit ago. So let's see. Uh, YouTube.com slash user slash ninjaism. That's an old, you can't change your URL once you make it. So that's what I got stuck with from back when I was in high school, I think. This is the same account I had from when I was in high school. Yeah, there's... Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... It's been a while. I, uh, you see that every now and then with some other channels. Um, you know, Game Theorist on YouTube? It's Matt Pat is part of his name, so... Yeah, same same bit here. I just have a an a holdover name, uh, but otherwise you can just type in T One Glistener Elf and that'll get that'll pull me up. Uh, alternatively, and the much better way to go about doing it is to go to YouTube and type in Journey into the Mind of an Infect Player, watch that video, and then subscribe to the channel because that way you can see <laughs> <laughs> you get to see Evangeline, you get to see me get wrecked. You get to see a, a Magic the Gathering meme, and you get to see me get wrecked. <laughs> All of those could happen. And then you can subscribe to the channel and see me get wrecked some more. So that's, <laughs> that is the strictly better way to go and find T1 Glistener Elf on YouTube. I, have I said that enough times yet? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Not yet. All right. No, uh, but um, thank you again for coming on, and... um. It was great talking to you, and um, I will and everybody go check out the show notes for his YouTube channel link and his Kickstarter link as well too, and go check it out for sure. All right. Yeah, and if you ever want to have me back on, by all means, just feel more than free to let me know. If you need a guest, I'll make myself available. All right, sure, for sure, man. All right, thank you, and have a great night. Hey, you too. <laughs>